Hello, welcome back to China Manufacturing Decoded from Sofeast. It's Adrian here from the team. Renault's with me today, and it's episode 171. Now, you'll remember a few weeks ago, perhaps you might have got an email from Renault, and he was asking if any of our listeners and our readers had questions that we might feature on the podcast. And several of you got back to us with some good questions. So, Renault, you're going to answer a few questions today. Hey, yeah, so we have... um... We have four questions that we're going to try and cover today. Um, mm. So it's they're on different topics, right? Yeah. New product development, how to buy certain types of products, how to check up on the manufacturer, and something about quality and reliability. So it's it's really um, it's quite a diverse set of topics here, um, mm. but yeah, it's good from time to time to ask. Hey, do you have some questions? And then we get. We get a few questions here and there and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, provides a bit of variety on the podcast. So, yeah, uh, the first one, do you want to read it? Yes. Okay. So our listener sent in, they said, I'm quite new to manufacturing. I've got a new product, which is presently in prototype, and I'm hoping to find a manufacturer in China. I've got a question about one of the components in my product, which is a GSM module. How do I get a manufacturer that can help integrate the GSM module into the complete product? So that's making the GSM unit be joined to the product as a complete unit. For now, it's separate, and I want it to be fully functional inside the unit. Uh, so, yeah, that, quite a long question, but <laughs> so, I, think, I think we get the gist. Right, right, right. So basically... You get a prototype, okay, but you it's definitely not a final prototype because you're not happy about it, right? So you have an early prototype of the product that works together with a GSM module that's external. Okay, I'm not going to go into the details of like technically, blah, blah, blah. I would need to have some, some people from the engineering team. Uh, but this is more at the level of uh, how to think about this, right? Yeah. So the first question is, Okay, do you is it really a problem that the GSM module is external, right? Because if it's external, maybe some of your customers, I have no idea who's going to buy this or use this product or whatever. We don't have more context here, right? But in some contexts, maybe uh, in a B2B setting, maybe in some cases, users will already have their own GSM module. So in that case, don't don't make the product more, you know, um, more expensive by integrating it let them reuse it okay but what i'm guessing is is not the case so uh, it's not convenient if an external gsm module has to be used okay so if really that's a problem and really i i i that's an important question you know is it a problem first because your version 1.0 you want to keep it simple you don't want to try to aim for like you know very big volume let's go mainstream and everything right away except if you're really targeting just a niche but if it's a relatively large uh, market your version 1.0 is not going to go mainstream it's not going to go you know uh, it's going to be limited for sure right Mm. in ways that mainstream buyers will not be very happy about okay so that 
that's a fact. So your V1.0 is there to learn, to get feedback from the market, to demonstrate to yourself and your investors that you are doing okay. Uh, your product is getting some traction with a fraction of the market and that's sufficient. And you're learning and you have a good plan for having your version 2.0 uh, be better in ways that are important and that really unlock uh, unlock the, the keys to uh, a big portion of the market. That's the way to think about it. That's the way Tony Fadel in in uh, Bird, the, the book Bird, that's the way he explains it and I like it. Um, and I've been telling uh, our clients uh, since then, you know, that's really yeah. the way to think about it. Okay. And we mentioned it in, in, in a previous episode of, of this podcast, I believe. So the first question is, is really important. Okay. Then let's assume, yeah, it really has to be integrated. Okay. Then do you want to redevelop a GSM module? No, you want to use something that's already there, already developed and pre-certified and, and you know so you just take it and bring it into the assembly of your final product if that makes sense yeah okay yeah so in that case okay so i come back to the question uh how basically how how to get a manufacturer in china to do that and everything so i understand from the question that you have a prototype on your side and you have not really zeroed in on, on a specific manufacturer okay in that case uh, you have several approaches here okay you have the approach where um, you go you try to find a manufacturer that has very specific experience in that product category and will tell you yeah we already integrate gsm module into this kind of product uh, we know how to do that. We have a good one, and da, 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 right. We already know everything that needs to be done. We understand. Okay, it can be fast. There are some downsides with this type of manufacturer. Uh, even if you sign a good contract with them, in many cases they will kind of consider it's their product. They will put it in their showroom. They will show it to their other customers. You know, you go into the typical Chinese approach you know where sort of not really your product is their product and they resell it and they, they make some they make more money from your product you know not just from your orders yeah. that's a risk that is really not negligible now if they see that the product is going to be small volumes uh, you know and if you know the market if you know the niche um, if you know it's going to be a you know, orders of hundreds of pieces, you know, 1,000, 2,000 pieces, not very high volumes and not extremely expensive. Well, then the risk is lower, okay? Now, if they start to see that you, you, you're ordering 5,000 pieces, 8,000 pieces, 10,000 pieces, boom, 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 you know, you have a lot of demand and you're struggling to catch up on demand and, you know, and fulfill on, on, on the demand, well, then they're going to think, hey, this is a winner. You know, I get to I get to do something with this product, right? The temptation, the temptation is going to be huge. Okay. So that's a downside of that approach. Another approach, which I guess is the one you would favor if you already did prototyping, you know, if you already designed the product and 
and, and prototype it on your side without working with a manufacturer is you want to keep things in your hands. So you, you, you might want to start working uh, just on identifying the, um, the suppliers, the key suppliers. Okay. And you don't need a manufacturer for that. Or you work with a contract manufacturer uh, and, and they can sell you this sort of service, but otherwise typical Chinese manufacturers will not want to just do sourcing for service. Uh, they will want to keep the information private to themselves so that you have to mm. keep working with them, right? So that's the problem. So either you work with a service company uh, or you do it yourself or you work with a contract manufacturer. You identify the key components, including the you know a GSM module that can be uh, integrated within your product that is pre-certified and so on and so forth. If possible, also ask for reliability test results, okay? Uh, because you don't want that one module to trigger a failure of the entire unit. Uh, this is a very common scenario, actually. Several of our clients had this, this kind of problem. So watch out mm-hmm. for it. Okay, then once you have identified the key components, then you get them and you, if you already did prototype on your side, well, do another prototype with, with all of that, with the GSM module, in, you know, internal, you know, um, inside your product, all right? And then work on finding a contract manufacturer that will, you know, clearly sign a contract that it's all your intellectual property and so on and so forth. And we'll put together sort of the final prototype pre-tooling, you know, before the tooling is done, if you have a, a custom enclosure, for example, in plastic, right? Very, very common uh, for, for electronic products. So they, they will do sort of the final prototype or let's say the next round of prototype and then after that, the final prototype. So they, they, they get familiar also with the product and how it's going to be assembled and so on and so forth, right? So that that's what I would suggest. And then, of course, you do integration testing and everything with the GSM module. Uh, you get the prototypes, you do you some user testing and so on and so forth. The, the way it's supposed to be used by the final users in the, in the, uh, where they will use the product. And then, of course, you know, as I mentioned, maybe tooling, uh, if, if necessary, some certifications, again, depending on where you set it, for example, FCC, if, if, if there's a RF functionality, uh, if you set in the US, um, CE marking under uh, probably several directives, if you set in the European Union and so on and so forth. Okay, so that's that was really a, an answer at the level of, you know, the strategy to adopt here. Uh, I mm-hmm. hope that's uh, I hope that's useful. I think that's that's what the reader, that's what the the listener was was looking for here. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think so. And. Uh... If you're listening and that does remind you of your question and you're, you want more information, do get in touch. Uh, we'll be happy to help. But uh, yeah, that's good. That's good feedback. And uh, yeah, I can understand why you would suggest the contract manufacturer route is going to be more appropriate in this case. So uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. So let's go on to the second one then, shall we? Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, what what did the listener ask for? They said that their challenge is capital and support on how to import goods like, uh, well, electronic devices like laptops, phones, and uh, accessories. Yeah, there's a lot of people trying to get in the business of importing 
very mainstream, you know, sort of consumer electronics like phones and laptops and, and accessories. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, I would advise against that. Usually, it's about picking something already existing, you know, and private labeling it, you know, just putting the logo on it and assuring the distribution of it. Um, the problem is you're going to be fighting directly against all the Chinese sellers. Yeah. And when it comes to phones and laptops, I mean, um, they're all over the place. These are big markets with a lot of money. So they have very well set up, um, you know, channels to reach the end customers. And if you are going to sell undifferentiated products like these um, and be competing against uh, other Chinese you know, companies importing it into your country and, and selling it, you can't win on price usually, okay? You will not be the cheapest one and you will have an undifferentiated product. So usually I don't, I really don't recommend doing that. Um, you, you, you get to think either, you get to think of a proper strategy, right? So either you target a specific niche and you, you market the products in a specific way and you have access to that niche where other companies typically don't really have good access to that niche of the market, right? That's one way. Um, when you start, it's probably the best way. Okay. Then if you start to make some money on this, then maybe you go for a strategy of having more differentiated products. So then you, when you start to buy a certain volume, but the problem with these products is you buy, you buy 1000 mobile phones, you know, smartphones or, or, or a thousand laptops. You might think, Hey, that's a lot of money, but to the manufacturer is Peanuts, they don't even hear, want to hear from you, right? Yeah. A mobile phone manufacturer in Shenzhen doesn't really want to hear about purchase orders of less than 5,000 pieces. Okay. Uh, so that, that, that that's why I really, I usually don't recommend doing that. Now, there's all kinds of suppliers Um and by the way, those that you will find on Alibaba and so on, they will tend to be crappy. They will tend to Ooh. come with, you know, a product that's not good, but you don't really have visibility because it's their product, you know, with their chipset. They have done the R&D to make it all work together. They have done some of the testing. They've been selling it to their other customers. They're not going to open up the kimono. You will not see what's really in that product um, in detail. Okay, and 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 the, the 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 firmware and so on and so forth, you will not see that. So we have you will have to rely on them. You will have to really, basically trust them, and that's where a lot of the issues come up. And I'm not going to be, you know, I'm pretty serious here. I'm pretty sure that in most cases, when someone goes to to Shenzhen and buys some of these, uh, these smartphones and laptops. They buy it from a third tier or fourth tier manufacturer, right? Because again, they don't have, they don't give one million dollar POs, right? So they don't, they don't deal with the first tier ones, um, and and they really, uh, they really get crappy products, and there's a lot of reliability issues, and and they get cheated. I mean, we've been doing inspections, you know, 
uh, in the Shenzhen area for what, 17, 18 years now. We've seen so many cases where people get cheated out of, um, you know, the, the oh, is not the right um, <laughs> the right MCU. Oh, the memory is not what they paid for. Oh, you know, um, <laughs> it's not the right screen. It's not whatever, right? And oh, the dead pixels and 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 so many uh, so many um, so many screens and so on and so forth. We, we've seen all of this. We've seen all the problems, and we've heard from people also who ask us to do failure analysis, hey, I get these, whatever, uh, 20,000 laptops that I I sold through a contract to such and such, whatever, agency or, or company, or and already uh, 25% of them are not working. How come? What's going on? You know? <laughs> so we see, we see the issues, right? So this is a very high risk kind of, kind of approach. Um, yeah. The listener also mentioned accessories. Um, if you find, okay, it's very wide, right? But if you find some accessories that are not very easy to find, you know, in your country, and that makes sense for a certain use, and you see you can you can sell it, and so this is probably a better way to start uh, start buying products from from China, right? Mm. Uh, don't go into smartphones and and laptops, basically. Yeah, uh, that, that, I mean, that's really you, you've my, got a lot less. Yeah, you got a lot less risk with the accessories for sure. Uh, right. the, the, the the listener seems to be suggesting that they're starting out. I mean, they mentioned capital, so mm. uh, I, I'm going to assume that they're looking at you know doing this on a lower cost basis. So mm. your point about starting small, I mean, uh, oh, yeah. unfortunately, trying to start small when you're talking about importing laptops and phones, you've just got enormous risks there, don't you? Yes, 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 and. Uh... We see it again because we 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 check these products, you know, either before shipment or after that when there's a lot of failures. Uh, that's where our clients come to us and say, "Hey, we have a problem. What is it?" Right? Um, and typically for laptops and and smartphones, you don't want to develop your own from scratch, yeah. except if you really want to do something really big, right? There was a video going around. So I think I, I watched it one or two weeks ago about that company i forgot the name um it's a weird name but um they're launching a new smartphone actually they started with earbuds and now they're doing a smartphone and they invested something like 40 million us dollar in their model of smartphone okay really designed more or less from the ground up okay that's what it takes to get a world class mobile phone you know, designed, um, properly certified, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm. Tier one or tier two manufacturer, right? That's what it takes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can join this game, basically. And same thing for laptops, same thing for uh, tablets, right? Forget about these things. You're not going to have a highly differentiated product as your own product. It's just not going to happen. That's the the sad truth about it. So go with accessories. Start with simple accessories uh, off the shelf. Private label them. Then as you get to know the market and you you learn how to sell to the market and you see what the market needs, work on developing your own accessories. Um, it's much much simpler usually. You know, don't go with the most most uh, complicated ones, but. 
it's it's much much um yeah the, the entry is is much cheaper <laughs> than, yeah, yeah. than smartphones and laptops that, that's really my my advice here yeah good answer yeah i like it sound advice there okay the third one so third question I think this is very topical at the moment, certainly if we're looking at mm. China, where I think many listeners probably are aware that the economy in China is not what it was, uh, as I suppose mm. it is in, in many countries. So this particular listener asked, how do I know if my manufacturer is going to go bankrupt soon? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have been asking these kinds of questions actually since um, maybe 2019 mm. when the Trump tariffs came into effect and some big orders from some big American companies started to go, you know, to Vietnam and some other countries. And uh, and people were wondering, you know, what about my, manu- my Chinese manufacturer? Their main business was, <laughs> I guess, you know, was from the U.S., and mm-hmm. some people find out, oh, you know, they lost they lost their number one customer. Ouch! You know what's going to happen to them? I rely on them. Maybe they have my tooling. You know, they 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 know how to make my product. I send them money to to make my productions. They have my products be, until they ship out. You know what's going to happen here, right? It is, it is a bit scary when you see that actually, uh, yeah. and so. How to know There's several ways. Okay. Uh, first, some due diligence can, in some cases, uncover the, um, how to say, the, the, their balance sheet and their profit and loss statement at a high level, right? You're not, you're not going to have all the small details about all the individual accounts and everything, but you get a, a good summary. Okay, a high-level view of it. So if you see on the balance sheet, they have a lot of debt, um, the PNL, uh, they're losing money, right? If you see that, it's probably worse than that, meaning that they probably also owe money to their um, to their suppliers in a way that yeah. is not declared officially. That's rather common. Um, they they might have borrowed some cash from whatever, you know, the local mafia or something. Mm. That that happens, okay? You you can see these things sometimes, okay? I, and, and it's not very expensive, right? We, we do these kind of things for uh, 200 bucks, so it's not very expensive. But looking into it and, and, uh, and getting that, and in, I'm not exactly sure, maybe 60, 70% of cases, we, we get a pretty good, overview of their finances so that helps but it's looking backward right it's not looking forward what really helps is actually going there from time to time and seeing what's going on and if you cannot take a plane and come and see them at least twice a year you need to work with you know with a company on the ground to go and have a look from time to time and coming back to you right Mm. You, you you can't i mean I know with COVID, it's become um, much more common for people not to come very often. But before that, I, I saw a very clear relationship between, okay, this company, they send people to their manufacturers every three months, boom, 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 you know, very regular, very regular. And they have a sit down with management and, and they, they, they walk around the factory 
they have a few data to give feedback to them and everything. These companies tend to do better versus, oh, I haven't been there for two or three years. I don't even know, you know how they're doing now. Well, that is what I hear from companies that have a lot of trouble, right? So uh, this has been very, very clear for a long time. In China, you need face-to-face meetings. Uh, otherwise, you're really taking risks. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, okay, COVID, three years be- without going to China or three and a half years for some people. Uh, yeah, we've seen a lot of a lot of cases where the relationship really turns sour, goes down, and they, they have to to work with a backup, or they keep they keep suffering all kinds of issues from the manufacturing side. Well, that, what do you do? Yeah, again, you know, you fly there, you see them now, and you cultivate a backup, right? So all of that to say, how are you going to see if they lost? A, a lot of business well you have to go there and then you're gonna have to remember hey before they were on the seventh eighth and ninth floor and now they they just have the seventh floor where they have the office and a little bit of assembly and packing yeah they don't show me above i get to ask for it oh they rented it out to somebody else or something okay so what is what is, what is that telling me i mean obviously um you know Either they they were very ambitious in their plans, but last time you have to remember, you know, was it busy or not, right? Or was it already completely empty? Well, that means something. You need to ask them about, you know, their number one customer and number two customer. Even if you don't know the details, you need to have an idea, right? Uh, So, yeah, basically, uh, if you see they lost a lot of business, that's high risk. In that case, what do you do? You you send an advance payment for production, you know, one at a time. You see that they go, you know, you don't you never send them too much money at the same time because that's what creates the incentive for them to start acting unethically in a very, very short term manner, as sometimes Chinese suppliers can do. Mm. And you don't send money before Chinese New Year. Like you don't want them to to owe you anything at Chinese New Year because that's the typical time where they close and uh, they sort of run away without paying the wages and and the suppliers and everything. Mm. Okay. Um, These are some simple rules of thumb. Also, you might want to cultivate a backup. If If you rely on them too much and you see they lost a lot of business, well, you got to be prepared what if they close, but it takes six months or eight months to redevelop your product? Yep. How about you start now? Mm. And yeah, it's it's not very nice to your supplier. Um, you know, you will need to give an order to the backup from time to time, right? Uh, so otherwise they will forget about your product, right? So it means less business for your current your current supplier. But you have to protect your business, right? So that, that's that's what I would say here. Um, how to know, do some due diligence um, without them knowing, right? Uh, go on site to have a look. And yeah, just talk to them. You know, how's, how's everything going and everything? See the people. See yes. if the people you've been working with are still there. 
uh, if you recognize them, right? Um, you need to be aware of their peak season. So if you go there during their peak season and they're busy, it doesn't really mean anything. Um, you need to compare apples to apples, right? How many people did they have in the peak season last year? Well, maybe they're busy now, but last year they were twice as busy, <laughs> right? So that, that that's the kind of things you 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 want to look at. It's very operational. Now you really need to be there and, and look at things. Otherwise, if you just look in the rear of your mirror, it gives you an idea about how fragile they are um, to a shock, you know, to losing a key customer or something like that. But it doesn't really tell you much more than that. That's the problem, right? So that that, that would be my my answer to this question. Mm. No, it makes sense. And in terms of traveling to China, I mean, we spoke about this a few weeks ago. Uh, it's accessible now. So there's not a mm. lot of excuse for importers. You can totally get on a plane and come to China without much hassle these days. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I would add, I suppose, if we are if we're having doubts about our supplier and maybe we're looking at the due diligence and we've got concerns, it might be important to reassess your manufacturing agreement with them if you've got one which hopefully you do because um one thing that might be worth mentioning is like things like your tooling like your molds and, and whatever because you don't want to end up with them retaining the molds or even worse maybe selling them off for scrap or something to get money mm. uh when you're trying to transition to a new manufacturer because you probably would prefer not to have to include fabricating brand new molds in the cost of doing that right mm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, right, right. So it depends on your situation, yes. If you have tooling there and they close, basically, it's very hard for you to get it back, right? It mm. might be sold for scrap, which is crazy, I know. You don't want yourself to go there because in some cases, the employees are really pissed and they want to get money from anything. Oh, a customer. Customers probably owing money to the company. You know, let's you know so yeah sort of kidnap the customer you know let's <laughs> let's force him to stay in the office he cannot get out until he sends some money to the company and mm. we can grab that money to pay all the employees you know so don't go there right that's really the key i would say okay. <laughs> the first i mean that's an extreme example <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, yeah. yeah it happened it happened yeah. Yeah, yeah. when people are, are mad and the bus ran away you know and um and people come in the morning and they, they find everything closed and so on. And they, they get the local government. Local government also is going to be pissed. Very, um, very upset uh, about that. And they're going to do whatever they can to keep the the employees sort of happy. That's the situation. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, okay. Uh, but so, yeah, that's that's a good one and definitely quite topical at the moment. Uh, but I, I guess we'd all agree that doing regular due diligence is, is definitely a, a benefit. So that's a good one to remember. The last question that we're covering today, then number four, this, uh, this listener said, the products I receive keep breaking. How do I control quality? Yeah, that's a question we get actually several times a month. Mm. So... People see their products arriving. Usually they don't do inspections or anything before shipment. And they say, well, it keeps breaking or it stops working or it starts to um, to, to, to emit a bit of smoke or, you know, yeah. things like that. Or it makes like a, a noise after a while, you know. 
and then they say, well, it's poor quality, right? Because the product's no good, right? Mm. It's a quality problem, right? And then I tell them, wait a minute, from what you're telling me, this is not related to the manufacturing process and quality. You know, if this happens on 10%, 20%, 30% of the product or half the product, these kinds of products that are, of problems that are just mentioned, it's a reliability issue. It's related to the product design very often, right? Um, it's, it's, I don't know, the components are overrated. So after a while, they, uh, yeah, they, they, whatever. They, they start to, to malfunction. They, they, they stop working. Uh, they heat up too much. Maybe the, yeah, the, the, wrong, the wrong types of materials are used. So they break too easily in the, the, the way the, the, the product is used or, or anything. There can be a very long list of, of reasons. Mm. But the, the, the key is the product themselves, you know, at the end of the line of the production line, their quality might be perfect, exactly as per the specifications. But the problem is that you're actually making a product that is itself, by its design, not able to satisfy the, the, the users, you know, in the way they use the product. It's going gonna, it's gonna to fail after a while or very quickly. Okay, so if it fails very, very quickly, like first time you use, clack something, breaks, Usually this is more about a quality problem, but if it's a few weeks into into it or a few months and so on, it's, it's, it becomes more and more uh, likely to be a reliability issue. So the question here is what to do. The, the, the first thing to do is to actually analyze the kind of problems. So you've done unwittingly, you know, uh, you've done a lot of reliability testing, you know, by simply releasing the, the product onto the users, usually it's much better to do that in a lab, right? Usually we do that in our lab and we try to accelerate the the life of the product or, you know, to put it under a certain stress and so on and so forth, you know, do certain things mm-hmm. repeatedly to see how it's going to fare in these conditions. But you did it like a, as a live, you know, test on users. Okay, so you get the feedback. Okay, get the data, get the main uh, failure modes, um, how they break, get some samples, definitely. And then, um, yeah, the first step is to analyze that to see what the main issues are, right? And then look at the design. Look at the design and say, okay, this part here maybe is the wrong type of plastic. Uh, this component is not adapted to this, uh, whatever, right? Um Oh yeah, the, these kind of vibrations in the way it's used are breaking this uh, this soldering, whatever, right? Try to understand what the issues are and where they come from, and then, yeah, work with the manufacturer to maybe change some of the components. You know, work with the engineers who did the design to to evolve the design, to to adjust it so that uh, these 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 main issues are um, are addressed. And then you don't do a, just a test by sending it to users again, right? Then you test in a lab, right? Uh, you do a general um, battery of tests that is appropriate to your product and to the ways you is going to be used. You know, who is going to use it in what environment, how often, for how long, 
da da da, right? And what about the common kind of maybe misuse, maybe not abuse, you might not need to test for abuse, except if there's some real safety considerations, uh, if it's for kids, for example, yes. and, and so on. But otherwise, how is it, you know, how is it supposed to be used? How can I foresee that it's going to be used? And uh, what are some of the edge cases or like, you know, what are the power users going to be likely to, to, to do with the product and so on? And then you test based on that. And then you confirm, all right, you know, now with the new design adjust, adjustments, it's fine. We can go into production with this new design or, oh, oh we have a problem. We have to go back to design make some changes, and then again test, right? So if it's a cheap um, giveaway kind of pro promotional product, nobody really cares, right? But mm -hmm. if, it's a, um, if it's a relatively expensive product, and most importantly, if, um, if the, the, the product supports a sort of a mission-critical process, It cannot fail. Um, if it's a medical device, for example, that's maybe implanted, like, <laughs> um, you know, to keep your heart pumping or something like that. Of course, reliability is extremely important, right? So you have these two, it's a continuum, right? Where is your product? What is the need here uh, for, 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 for your product, right? And you need to have an appropriate plan for ensuring reliability in your product based on what the exact needs are right does that make sense yeah and there's so much that we've discussed and written about yeah testing for quality and reliability uh so i think the best way to share that information is to leave some links in the show notes as i always do mm. and right. you know anyone listening can go a lot deeper into it and of course if you need help with quality inspections this is one of our key services i mean that's that's definitely that's a way that you can reach out to us so that's four good questions today i like it and thanks for sending them in uh, if i can add something just very very quickly because at the moment right now i'm sitting in china i'm heading back soon but i've been in china for a bit you mentioned visiting china to check on Uh, suppliers earlier mm -hmm. one thing that when we spoke about um, our observations for china before we talked about payments right but uh, recently i think starting this month july 2023 mm -hmm. you're able to link your foreign bank card to wechat wallet and mm -hmm. and make the online payments and you can also link from bank cards to alipay mm -hmm. uh, from my own personal experience and i'm sure you would agree renault if you are traveling to china to visit your suppliers Do not try to pay with cash. You're going to need to pay with online payments using right. the apps, right? Cash is gone. Um, yeah, so you've, you've got to do that before you leave your country. Link up your bank card with those online wallets so you can make online payments in China. Yes, oh, absolutely, absolutely. This is a massive improvement for people coming, yeah, because when you don't have WeChat, Alipin, so then you're always hostage basically to you know the manufacturer you tell them, hey so you you get to the airport whatever you get um, you go to your hotel you can't even like 
take a DD, you know, which is the local Uber or anything like that. Then you ask for your manufacturer, yeah. hey, can you bring me, can you come and pick me up? And can you bring me there? And so you're not really free to do whatever you want, right? So it's always a bit of um mm. so it's kind of convenient to just rely on other people and say, hey, arrange the driver to pick me up here and so on and so forth until the driver has some kind of issue and is very late, of course. Um, but if you're free to go around, if you have the DD app, what I mentioned, the sort of the Uber equivalent. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I was told there's, um, you can have it in English. Okay, I never, I, I don't even know how to set it up, but I saw some people use it in English. So it's easier for people, obviously, than in, uh, in the Chinese interface. Mm. And um, yeah, you link it to WeChat, to Alipay, and you pay the, the, the taxi rides with that. From within Alipay, and I believe also WeChat, you can just um, pay for the metro rides, and and uh, and then you can pay for the um, the high speed train. Okay, that's a bit that's another system that's a little bit more complicated here to do it on your phone, yeah. but uh, it opens up a lot of possibilities with a bit of trial and error, and hopefully someone to help you. You can set up a lot of things. Mm. Right, so that's yeah. really, um, that that makes a huge difference because otherwise, uh, yeah, you needed to have a Chinese local bank account, which, with the restriction, you know, was much easier. I don't know, ten years ago, but now mm-hmm. setting a new one, not so easy. <laughs> no, no, not 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 so easy. Uh, I guess if you come regularly, it's definitely something that you could look into. Actually, now that you mentioned this. Uh, I will hopefully be interviewing a Chinese business expert on things like that. So setting up bank accounts, remitting money back to your home country uh, about, you know, the sorts of things that importers and manufacturers need to know about uh, setting up and administering businesses in China, including bank accounts. So hopefully that's mm. that will be coming in the coming weeks. So that's going to be uh, super interesting mm. as well. So anyway, that's we, we, do, we do digress, but I just thought it was worth mentioning in case somebody's now thinking, oh, I, I think I will book flights and go and see my supplier. So yeah, totally do do it, but don't try and pay in cash in China. Trust me, you, you'll thank me for the advice. <laughs> mm, yes, 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 absolutely. Great. Okay. So some cracking questions from our listeners today. If you've ever got more, you know where to find us. Uh, Go to the Sophie's website and contact us and send in your questions. Uh, But uh, other than that, we will be back next week. Thanks, Renaud, and thanks, everybody, for listening. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.